Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lin, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hun. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be previewing and making some healthcare workforce predictions and talking about some solutions. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 16 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. Yeah, workforce is hot right now. <laughs> well. Wow. It's a hot button topic. I think it, for some, it gets people hot under the collar. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, it's, it's hot whether you want to leave. It's hot if you're a boss that has people leaving. If it's, it's hot all around. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely the topic of discussion whenever I talk to anybody. It doesn't matter what role. It doesn't matter what kind of organization. Um, and, you know, it's either feast or famine, right? Depending on what side or where you fall. <laughs> That's true. There's some people that are thriving, right? If you have a remote workforce, you have opportunities, you know, like it's actually a good thing because you're going to be taking the people from those that aren't as flexible, for example. Yeah. And, you know, we've heard, or I've heard from a few companies and a few organizations that are actually, you know, not finding it too hard to get people right now because of some of the, um, you know, cuts that have been made at some of the other tech companies yeah, that's right? true so too. There, there's some people available now that weren't available six months ago so it definitely you know is uh depending on where you are and what what department and 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 where physically you're located you could be either in a very high or very low <laughs> the only people winning are the hr people is that <laughs> although i think they have a lot more gray hair these days too <laughs> that's fair it's, a, it's much more stressful that's true <laughs> So, so John, like, you know, maybe before we dive into some of the technology stuff, uh, you know, let me ask you, what are some effective ways you've seen or experienced personally in terms of keeping people engaged in an organization? Yeah. So for me, I think it boils down to two values and, you know, and then, you know, there's things you do to illustrate this, right? One is, am I valued at an organization? You know, like, I think that's one. And the second one for me that's important is, do they trust me? And mm -hmm. I think it's interesting to think about those two, right? Like, how can the organization show me that I'm valued, right? And, you know, it, kudos and accolades are nice, right? And that's one form. But I think the way you really show your value is, is just recognizing the work that they're doing and thanking them and showing gratitude and appreciation. And I think that was, you know, that's one of the ways that I think is, is key, right? And like, how you do that and that you're intentional about doing that, I think is key, uh, you know, and then the other one is trusted, right? Like, okay, do they trust me to do this? You know, are they giving me responsibility, right? And I, I don't think this is true for every position. You know, I think there's some positions where they, they don't want to be trusted. They just want to be a cog in the wheel and they want to move on with life. But, you know, the high performing players, want to be trusted to to be able to do these things right and and to be given responsibility that matters to them so I, i'd say those are maybe the two things and you know when i think about the the bosses and leaders and organizations i've been in that do that that's you know like oh i want to work there yeah i mean there's certainly some superficial things that over the last 
couple decades have been touted as ways to engage people and keep them like, you know, unlimited vacation, uh, flexible working, you know, where you can work from home, work at work in the office, uh, you know, all those kinds of, of things, uh, you know, mentors uh, that you can tap into in, in the workplace, you know, all these are helpful. But I think, you know, you've hit the nail in the head. It, it those are superficial. You have to go deeper, right? To really, to me, to really engage and keep people, you you have to trust them. You have to listen to them. And by listening to them, I mean, really as a leader, understanding what motivates them and then trying to make sure that their work aligns to what motivates them, right? Like, you know, if you've hired a, a healthcare marketer, right? Who's really into marketing automation right now, Unless you sit down with that person and, and, and discover, well, actually, they want to be a writer. Right? <laughs> you, you may never have given them that opportunity. And sooner or later, that person may leave for that opportunity. And you would never know. So to me, one of the most effective ways to keep people is actually sit down and figure out what drives them. And then do everything in your power as a leader to try to engage that. Try to point them and help them get to wherever they want to go. Yeah, I think that's interesting to think about because it's really about listening and understanding, showing that they care for you. I think that that's that's another one, right? And and to me, like all the superficial stuff that you describe, isn't that superficial to individuals, right? So a, a mom that has kids may value flexibility a lot more than a recent college grad who has unlimited flexibility, right? Like to do whatever, right? Or can show up to the office every day, right? And so, you know, what is superficial to one person may be essential to another. And so, uh, you know, sure. your point is really a good one as far as listening to understand what does that person need? What are their career goals and ambitions? you know, what wakes them up at night, you know, because of stress or because of excitement, right? And understanding that, I think that's a really good example. Listen. Yeah. And I think there's obviously some negative stuff as well, right? Like, you know, we've heard horror stories about toxic work environments and, and, I, don't, and I don't think anybody, no business leader sets out to create a toxic work environment, right? That's just not something people purposely create, but yep. they let it, they let it languish. They let it happen. Right. And so as a, again, as one of the most effective ways I've seen, you know, uh, people keep uh, valued employees is addressing and having those tough discussions when you get hints that something is wrong in the workplace. Like when you see two teams starting to fight, you don't let it happen and don't let them just work it out amongst themselves. Like you step in, you, you figure it out, right. You, you, you sit the two individuals that might not be getting along and go, okay, like, Let's try to get professional here, guys or gals, and let's let's work this thing through. Because if you leave it, it just creates yeah. these passive aggressive, right? Like, and that's you know a big reason why people leave. Yeah, I think about my very first job out of college. Uh, about a weekend, the email system was having issues. It was running out of disk space. It was going down. It was all, all sorts of crazy things were happening. And I got called in the CIO office with my boss who was in charge of the email system. And the, the CIO was like, hey, um, this has to be resolved. And if it's not resolved, then, you know, some heads are going to roll, right? Basically, <laughs> he said it a little kinder, but basically, you know, your jobs are on the line. And my boss, to her credit, was like, hey, that's fair for me, but it's not fair for John. He's been here a week, right? <laughs> like, and the CIO said, 
well i've said what i've said and i was like you what i just moved my family literally across the ocean to hawaii and i'm in the middle of nowhere where there's not a lot of other jobs right like and you're gonna say my job is on the line i i didn't feel valued at that time right like i was like this is not a good environment like and actually the cio was gone within six months or a year i can't remember so but it, it, it was interesting it was it, you know it was one of those like he could have saved me but Anyway, he was trying to get the problem fixed and thought that I don't think my job was really on the line, but he was making it that way because he wanted to achieve his goal. But, I, you know, I just think about even now, what, 20 years later, I still feel the emotion of that moment and how I didn't feel very valued right then. <laughs> well, and let's, you know, as, as a as a team leader, as someone who's who's had the fortune of working with some really good teams, uh, t- people problems are messy. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're work environment or home environment, they're messy, right? Yeah. And so a lot of people really want to avoid it, right? They, 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 they carve it off or compartmentalize and say, well, that's a, that's a personality thing. And that's not really not mine and my business to, to get involved in it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that usually backs, that's probably the worst thing you can do, right? right. Uh, you Avoidance have to wait, bad. <laughs> yeah, you have to wait in, but you don't have to be overhand, like heavy handed about it. You're like, sure. okay, you know, Hey, you two have to get along and find a way. Right. Like to me, that's like pointless, right? Like it's more of like, how can we find a way? What can we do to make this work? Like, do we have to keep you separated? And in which case, fine. Right. Let's, you know, if that's the only answer is to keep these two or keep these two groups separated. Okay. Let's work this out. Like if you value both teams, right. And you want to keep them and you have to kind of start wading into this. So yeah, I'm not, I've never been a fan of people who just kind of wave their hands and go, you sort it out, <laughs> right? Like, because to me, what have you done? You've done nothing to solve the problem. You've added nothing, right? Other than give an edict, uh, which yeah. just fast makes that problem fester. Absolutely. So Colin, as you look into the next couple of years, what's your prediction on, you know, are we going to be dealing with this for a long time to come over the next couple of years? Is it going to get worse? Is it going to get better? What's your predictions there? Yeah, I, I think for the clinical side, it's going to get worse over the next two years. I don't think it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think maybe we might hit a bottom and stay there for a little while. I don't Maybe not going to get worse, but but I think it's going to be painful for the next two years from the clinical side. The reason why I say that is because you know nurses have discovered, for example, that going to an agency and working for these traveling nurse agencies is far better than working for an organization. And these organizations, although they would love to keep these nurses, they cannot pay what these nurses are now being paid. They cannot give them the flexibility where they can take three weeks off in the middle of between, you know, <laughs> engagements. That doesn't happen, right? And, right. you know, so until they fix their internal workload and HR and payment, which takes a long time, right? Uh, I just think from the nurse's perspective, it's not going to get better. And the same thing with clinicians, like with physicians. I just think, you know, they're getting burned out that's not going to be something that's going to be instantaneously solved over the next two years. Um, yeah. The nurse one's a challenging one. It's the travel nurses that I've been hearing stories where like there was one staff nurse and everything else was travel nurse. And I just think about how many patients are going to suffer from the lack of continuity in an organization. I mean, travel nurses are amazing. Don't get me wrong, but there's something about the continuity of knowing the organization, knowing the flow, knowing how it's bedded, know how, you know, all of these little cultural nuances that travel nurses don't know. And if you only have one there, like, wow, that's, that's, that's a big change. And we're seeing that happen in a lot of places. And I don't begrudge the nurses. 
they can get paid sometimes one and a half, two times as much traveling. So then, yeah, you can take the three weeks break because you, you know, you just got paid so much and you're getting paid the same and getting nice three week breaks. Of course you got to travel. There's, you know, some can't do that, but anyway, I think it's a challenge. And I think the provider side is going to get dramatically worse. I, I think, you know, I, the only thing that gives some hope is that, you know, when you have an MD degree, uh, there's, there's not as many other jobs that pay as much. So, you know, some of that will come back to roost, right? And they'll be like, oh, okay, I just needed a break. And now that I've had a break, I can come back. So that will that will soften the blow some, right? And, and maybe it won't lead to the bottom where they're just gone for good, which I think is happening, you know, in other tech industries, right? Where they're like, no, I'm sick of this industry. I'll just go to a new one. Uh, we won't see the same exodus in healthcare because the RN and the MD, the DO, it's such a investment of your time and energy that there's not as many options for you to go to. I think on the health IT side, uh, you know, especially for provider organizations, I think it's going to be less of an issue if they accept virtual, right? So now if you're like, you got to be in the office and all this, like there are people are going to, you know, call uncle on that and say, no, there's others out there that we can go to. But if you're flexible, you know, I think it's actually going to be less of an issue because of what you said, which is all the other health IT vendors that are venture backed you know, firing all these people just to, you know, be able to weather this recession, depression, whatever it is that we're going into right now. So that's my prediction is health IT side provider is going to be better because there's going to be lots of talent out there. As long as you're flexible about, you know, do they have to be there all the time or just some of the time? Yeah, I agree. I, I do think on the tech side, it's a bit more of a rosy picture, rosier anyway. Mm -hmm. I think we're definitely going through uh, an inflection point. I think it has been very tough to get talented people to join health IT organizations, whether that's within a provider or an actual company. So I think that's going to get better over the next couple of years as things stabilize. And frankly, as we're starting to hear, people who left companies for the higher pay have realized, oh, maybe I shouldn't have, right? Like it's not all about the pay. Um, you know, it's about some of the other aspects of the job being being in a, in a company that's fulfilling something that's helping humanity, right? Like that's one of the biggest benefits of being in healthcare. So I think we might see a return or an influx of people as people look for that element of these of, of jobs. So I think in the next couple of years, I think you're right. The, that will get better um, for the, the technology side. But and, you know, really, I just I am scared for the provider side of things, because you think about the other thing that's happening at the same time, which is the retirement of a lot of um, primary care. Right. So it's not. <laughs> you know, yes, we may be minting more, just as many MDs, but they're all going into specialties. They're all going into, you know, uh, being hospitalists. Um, you know, primary care is getting decimated by a number of, of docs that are retiring. Like, you know, I was out east recently on vacation, and the, one of the biggest news stories was the two doctors who run one of the few final primary care clinics on the island that I was on. They were going on vacation for four weeks, and so there was no coverage. <laughs> Right? Like, wow, you think about that. There's only two primary care docs for the entire population, and it made the local news, right? Like, mm -hmm. and that's because you know, the 10 doctors they used to have, nine of them had retired, right? Yeah, so, it's tough. And I, I mean, I heard that recently. I heard someone say, you know, hey, why did you retire? And they said, the EHR. They actually said the name of the HR, but I, you're like, okay, well, they were just sick. They were, and I don't think it's the EHR. I think it's the burden that the EHR reflects. Sure. 
the documentation, the regulation, the, you know, everything burden that that reflects and they're just sick of it. They're like, no, retirement sounds good. The billing and everything. Yeah, for sure. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lynn and Colin Hahn. Today, we're talking about the healthcare workforce predictions and solutions. Well, let's get into that solution part, John. (laughs) So what are some technology solutions that you've come across uh, or that you've seen that are directly helping with the workforce issues in healthcare? Yeah. So I would start with, uh, you know, attaching an analytics to your ERP and doing baselines on how much you're paying people. (laughs) Like, I mean, let's just start there, right? You know, and everyone knows that I like to follow the money, right? Uh, But, you know, if, you know, and then not just the analytics on your ERP solution, but all the data is out there. There's all the benchmarks out there of what your, you know, docs are getting paid, what nurses are getting paid. And, you know, you got to true up, you know, let's let's start there. Uh, You know, there's a health equity component there too, right? That I I think is worth addressing. And we've talked about in the past, you know, that some people aren't getting paid because of their gender or race and it doesn't make sense, right? So let's start there. Let's true that up. You know, that would be a big first step. And, you know, before you'd be like, okay, well, you know, that's a 10 month project to evaluate salaries and then go research salaries and other, no, all the data is there. <laughs> you have the data, you can do this. So, you know, it takes a couple of weeks, takes, takes some effort, right? But uh, that would be the first project on my list. No, that's a good one. I really like that. And I think uh, hopefully people are surprised at the results, which means there's an opportunity to improve, right? Yep. Um, but even if you didn't uh, and, and did that, that analysis and ended up where, hey, we, we, are, we are actually at market, <laughs> right? And we are paying everyone equity. Well, good, good news is now you can feel good about yourself, right? And, and then you, you know, can answer the question when they come in saying, I'm not paid enough. You're like, yeah, you are. <laughs> we have the data to prove it. And what a great story to tell, right? Say, hey, we, we're actually looking at this and we have data to, to back this up. But what it means is that it does point to other issues, right? And so now you can go focus over there. So yeah, I like that one. I think there's obviously some some other technologies that can help with the recruiting side. Uh, you know, I think the reality is that you're going to be dealing with traveling nurses. So there are uh, systems and software out there that helps you manage those kinds of vendor relationships, right? And it helps you manage that kind of a workforce. Uh, so certainly scheduling software is going to help you weather the storm of the workforce. So, you know, uh, whether that's flexible shifts or matching shifts with skills, uh, I think that's definitely uh, something that people have to look at now. Whereas before you might have a a group of nurses, a pool of nurses, and you didn't have to worry as much about like what skill sets they have because you had enough, right, to cover. Now I think you have to be very laser focused and go, okay, like we have this kind of patients in this this department. Do we have the nurse that matches those skills and that's that patient and can I match them up? Uh, yeah. And that way, you you know, A, your, your nurses will be happier, the ones that are still with you, right? And B, um, you're going to have, you're going to know you're not, you're going to have the skills that are needed um, in place. So I think uh, those systems are really interesting and they've gotten really sophisticated. The best ones where they'll even offer like a premium on certain shifts they know are hard to fill because they know they're hard to fill and they deserve to be paid more. And so, yeah, I think that's interesting. I was surprised as I was thinking about this, though, I haven't heard from these companies. So what, what's not clear to me, and I'd love to you know, hear from the audience if they're part of this or know, you know firsthand how this is going down, because my thought would be, oh, these AI-driven systems that customize the workforce needs and everything would be great to be able to retain the staff, to reward them for hard shifts and all those things, mm-hmm. right? 
but I haven't heard those stories. So I don't know if they just haven't reached out and it's just, you know, how my sphere of influence and connection is, or if maybe the other is happening too, right? Where there's not enough people for these systems to work effectively. Like a bid system that pays you more is no good if you don't have any nurses that want to accept the payment that's more. So, you know, like, are they falling apart, right? Where the value add is disappearing because the workforce challenges are so low that we're like, hey, we're going to beg, borrow and steal whatever nurses we can find. We don't need your AI optimized solution that, you know, <laughs> that tries to optimize for, you know, an overflow of staffing, right? And so- right. I don't know, maybe it fell apart given the staffing crisis. Yeah, yeah. if you don't have enough people to, to use that system for, right? Like the bids, like if you only have one person bidding, like what's the point? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Exactly right. Hey, John, actually, there's a company here in, in Canada that is doing some work directly uh, here in this space. Uh, it's called uh, Time Saved. And what they make is they make a tool for actually the uh, travel nurse agencies. Uh, to oh, better okay. manage uh, their workforce and their pool of nurses. To so basically, it's it is a this sort of bid like system where that agency will go, hey, we've got an opening. Um, we're trying to help this customer, uh, this organization fill this kind of uh, uh, a role. Here are the skills that are needed. Here's the certifications needed. Here's the licensure that's needed. And and here you go. And then people can bid on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and say, Oh, look, I'm in and I can be there. And I, you know, I know this group or I worked with it, you know, and then actually we'll, we'll do some analysis to say, Hey, these are the best candidates that you might want to fill this with that helps the organization fill these roles much more quickly and fill them with nurses that will actually help that organization, nice. right. Rather than just a body that's just there, they, they do all this matching and it happens, you know, in near real time. So they're, they've experienced explosive growth over the last uh, few years, uh, <laughs> and they were around even before the pandemic, and now they're just seeing that business take off, and that that really helps everybody. Um, and you know, the question that the CEO uh, posed to me was, you know, why don't hospitals adopt this <laughs> right, mm -hmm. to manage their own workforce? Uh, and I was like, you know, that's a great point. You know, it doesn't just have to benefit agencies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, many health systems are kind of their own agency. They're so large, right? <laughs> like when you look at it, but I would also shift gears to another one we haven't talked about, which is all the automation solutions out there. Because mm. in many cases, you know, you're not going to fire, find the people that you need to. And if they leave, they might be gone and you may not be able to hire that position again. I think we're seeing that, you know, in the HIM area, the revenue cycle management, you know, some of those maybe lower paid positions that are hard to fill, especially if you live in a more expensive region, right? Where it's hard to get those people to live there on those. And so I, I think there's some automation solutions, you know, Boston Software Solutions offers some, you know, to really automate many of the solutions where before they might have said, oh, but that's our people. Now they're like, you know, which we've discussed before, oh, please, I need to, because I'm not going to be able to fill that position, right? On the revenue cycle side, we see it with Coral Health, we see it with Notion Health, you know, being able to augment your staff, whether it's through technology or outside resources or a mix of the two, I think that's the other trend we're seeing in technology solutions that are able to augment what you're doing. I think that's a powerful 
throw in the digital front doors, right? Uh, you know, you don't want another phone call to your front desk because you don't have enough people at the front desk to do what you need to do. And there's a lot of automation solutions there, right? Stericycle offers the, you know, virtual check-in, the paperwork done virtually, et cetera, right? Online self-scheduling. You know, there's a bunch of solutions like that that are really interesting. And I think that automation is going to be a focus area for many as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like, you know, there's there's tools out there. Like, I'm, I'm thinking Pega Systems, right? I'm thinking Boston mm, Software, yeah, like yeah. That, that do the work, you know, that do the uh, robotic op- automation. Uh, but you're, yeah, you talked about it as well. It just you know, we got to think beyond just the clinical side, right? There's also the the administrative side, the call center. That you know, can you can you get a chatbot to take off ten percent of the phone calls, right? Can you automate uh, some of the answers that you're providing, and or route the call to somebody who can deal with it right away better? Like all these kinds of things can directly help uh, the workforce because you're trying to do more with less, right? And all See, of these I- tools can help you do with that. I see that as an indirect benefit as well, because if we automate the stuff that no one wants to do, then they probably enjoy the job a lot more, right? Now, whether that's the front desk or whether it's HIM or whether that's a doctor, right? If we can automate the stuff that they hate, right? If they, if we can automate the, and make the EHR more usable, that's an indirect benefit to the doctor that makes them want to stick around as well, right? I mean, who wants to work at one where you're like, this process is terrible and they could fix it and they don't. I, I hear that a lot when they're like, I can't believe I have to do this. And, and you're like, well, you don't. And they're like, well, they said I have to. And you're like, well, that's not true. Uh, you know, they need to just go through the process and change process. So I think that's another example of an indirect benefit. Yeah, no, I, I, again, I agree with you here. And I think uh, the traveling nurse phenomenon is is maybe actually helping with this. Because, hmm. uh, you know, as you, if you bring on nurses who aren't familiar with you and your systems and your processes, well, some of the first things you have to do is, is teach them. Right. And so if you have processes that are broken, that are, you know, get, that are uh, have loops in them that are necessary, you're going to get that pointed out pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's going to take you a lot longer to even get these nurses up to speed. So use this opportunity to kind of take a look at your own processes and your own policies to go, hey, why do we ask people to do that? We can just fix that with X or Y and get rid of this step. Do it. Right. That'll help make training of these nurses easier right away, but also long-term, it'll just remove that that frustration that people have with some of the existing, and I don't mean just the EHRs. I mean, like the lab ordering system, like anything, any of these electronic systems, it's not all in the EHRs fault. Sure. There's a lot of other systems that are pretty annoying to use. And that may be the biggest issue is the integration between the EHR and all the other systems. I mean, that's what EHR vendors could do is open up so the integrations are better, right? So that they're easier to do so that the workflow is easier for everyone involved, patient and provider. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't think of it as a workforce retention thing, but interoperability can be because I, I remember when we implemented the lab interface and before we were doing like triple work and all this and the interface and you're like, oh, so nice. The results are there. The order goes in. Like it was like this beautiful, like aha moment. And you could just almost feel like the burden lift off the provider that was like, oh, it's just there. Yeah, that's great. You know, and oh, I get the result and it notifies me. You know, it was just this beautiful, like magic moment almost that you're like oh that's how it's supposed to work and that's what technology is supposed to do for me it's like it's really beautiful when that happens agreed agreed and you know last thing i'll say about this is one of the biggest process changes that i would suggest is we have to change our attitude to hiring in healthcare right now like Mm -hmm. it's no longer of tell me what you could do for me as the candidate 
it's more like, no, 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 let me show you why it's such a great place to be here, why it's so awesome to be part of this organization. You have to do a lot more selling these days. And I know some people will go, well, we shouldn't have to do that. Like we're, you know, we've got, we're this big brand name in the organ in the local market. Like, yeah, but but you have to, right? Like, because yeah. you're competing with all the other hospitals, you're competing with virtual care organizations, you're competing with other uh, technology companies, you're competing with these st staffing agencies. Yeah, you have to sell yourself a little bit more now. So you can't leave it up to a reputation that supposedly you have in the marketplace. You have to really spend that time and, and dedicate time in, the, in that process to sell yourself. Well, I'd come full circle to where you started, which is listen. If you listen to them, you'll realize it's not more yoga rooms. It's not, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not the stuff that your wellness program is doing. It's probably little things like optimizing your EHR or, you know, changing the, the schedule, or, you know, the small changes like that, that can make a huge difference, you know, providing flexibility and, and, and you know, just understanding what their needs are. People know. Well, and giving them a voice, right? To your point, John, like making them part of, of a committee that's actually going to look at this stuff and, and improve it. A committee that has teeth. Exactly. <laughs> well, we've covered a lot in this episode, John, and I uh, just want to say thank you to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. <laughs>